Hey, I'm Logan. And I'm uh, this microphone. Okay, so look, we the uh, we microphone have, is sentient. We have like one listener that actually knows who we are, so we should probably um, be a little bit more like real with I'm our Alicia, I'm Alyssa, the microphone that's sentient. Okay. Um, and I do this podcast. You talk into me, and I talk into the computer. All right. This is an episode of The Marketer's Cut, take 14. This week, we're talking about... Um, men. We are talking about men. Let me rewind a little bit and just say what this podcast is about real quick. Uh, it's a movie marketing podcast. We talk about marketing and movies and what they could have done better or what they did well and what maybe we would do better or worse. Um, for richer or for poor. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this movie uh, that we're talking about this week, um, these movies, movies um, are both called The Invisible Man. Weird. Do you think they're about the same thing? It's a pretty wild coincidence, if you ask me. <laughs> um, so we're talking about the 2020 Invisible Man and the Invisible, the first Invisible Man adaptation from 1933, based on the novel by H.G. Wells. Oh, I'd love to check that out. The novel? Yeah, I mean, see how different it is. Yeah, I think the... these movies. We'll get into it and stuff, but I do think the, um, the 1933 one is a little bit more of a... Well, an actual adaptation. adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, we'll get into it. So, uh, the 2020 Invisible Man is directed by Lee Whannell. Um, he's known from the Saw franchise. He also recently directed the movie called Upgrade. Um, and a lot of the camera work that you see in Upgrade, um, a lot of the technical feats of Upgrade are kind of utilized in The Invisible Man as well. Um, here's a synopsis from IMDb. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by somebody by someone nobody can see. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> um, yeah, so that movie came out February 28th, 2020. Um, little fun fact, the last movie that I've seen in a theater. Not me. I don't even know what the last one you saw was. Um, Me neither. Last Christmas? I think you saw something in... Uh, we definitely saw 1917 in 2020, so it might have been Ooh, that. Ooh, that's true. Um, all right, so the 1933 version, same title, The Invisible Man, directed by James Whale, and here's the synopsis. A scientist finds a way of becoming invisible, but in doing so, he becomes murderously insane. Hmm. Fun. Very fun, yeah. Very fun. This came out on November 13th, 1933. Um, so, 11, 13, 33. Yeah, those are just numbers. Wow. Okay. But it's kind of cool. It is cool because it's uh, the movie came out almost 90 years ago. Or is it? I don't even, I don't feel like doing the math in my head right now. Yeah. Um, no, that's right. So, a couple notable things about this one before we get into uh, how we're going to switch up this week's episode. Um, this kickstarted Claude Rains' career, so Claude Rains is who played the Invisible Man in this movie. Mostly voiced the Invisible Man. Um, but, um, you know, he's known from later films like Casablanca and everything. So, um, yeah, and like I mentioned, it's based on the novel by H.G. Wells, which, like, you know, H.G. Wells now is, like, old shit to us. But then, it was just, like, kind of old shit. shit. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it was, like, late 1800s. 
that H.G. Wells was writing and everything. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, I mean, this is still, like, what, 30, 40, 50 years after some of his works are written. But, um, but, yeah. So, uh, uh, another, you know, quick thing about Whale is he helmed multiple universal horror films after the success of Dracula in 1931. So he directed Frankenstein, The Old Dark House, um, The Invisible Man, like we just mentioned, and The Bride of Frankenstein. Um, and he was a big part in, you know, why a lot of these movies are so, like, iconic still today. And it kind of helped uh, kickstart, or helped get Universal out of the rut that the Great Depression had kind of caused mm-hmm. Universal and many other studios around it. Um Okay, so do you want to hear how we're going to switch up this episode? I'm ready to. Well, I can hear it because I am the ears of this podcast. You talking to me, and I put it to the computer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So normally we talk about both movies in two separate segments. Um, We talk about, you know, their box office numbers, what they did in terms of marketing, um what they could have done, uh, maybe some marketing blunders or failures. Um, so a lot of stuff like that. And it was kind of hard to find a lot of that stuff for the 1933 Invisible Man. And I th- saw that as kind of an opportunity to, instead of talk about marketing, talk about m- the market Ooh. of horror films. Wasn't it crashing around this time? Well, this is around the time horror was growing. So, um, Universal was having in, uh, some problems as a studio, but a lot of horror movies brought it out of those problems. Um, but I mean, I'm going to start a decade before in the twenties okay, and just to kind of see what leads up to Invisible Man. And then we're going to jump ahead, uh, 70, 80, 80 ish, 85 ish years and talk about, um, what Universal tried to bring back with the dark universe. Okay. Okay. So um, let's jump right into it because there's a lot to cover. Uh, so I was kind of looking and um, this things that led up to this, this boom of universal horror movies uh, really kind of started with horror as a genre. So like from the beginning when, you know, film was growing into its own, uh, something called trick films are really big and impactful and like you know a trick film was just like hey what can we do on camera that like makes the audience go like ooh, like how'd they Mm -hmm. do that because the cameras were so or video was so new at the time Mm -hmm. so um you know there's some notable ones like one where some guys like trying to eat the audience i don't know if you've ever seen that like a film history class or something Mm -mm. um so there's stuff like that um yes those trick films were sort of big and you can kind of see how those start and then how you start to get into horror because like a lot of dramas and everything like they don't require a lot of crazy special effects you know mm-hmm. you know you maybe you need to make it look like it's snowing or, or um they're in a certain area a certain location but this movie like a man's literally invisible which i'm sorry see. wait what's the title of the movie again the man of invisibility mm-hmm. um but you know in the 30s that's not super easy to pull off um so that that's kind of the first uh, first thing that kind of leads into like why these movies were so iconic at the time and still are today. Um, now here, uh, this, and I don't know a ton about this stuff. I did some cursory research, research 
Um, so I'm doing my best here. But now we're going to talk about German Expressionism. And um, these are some popular films. Uh, from the name, you can guess that they're German. Um, one is called Das Dabinet des Dr. Caligari. Probably really goofed up on that name. It came out in 1920, directed by Robert... Um, I'm going to guess because it's German, it's like Vienna or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it looks like Ween. It does look like Ween. Um, so this movie was called by Roger Ebert, who um, is a you know, renowned film critic. Uh, it was called the first true horror film by him. Um, that was like a worldwide success. It did really well. Um, you get some other films. There was a, a trilogy of films that ended in 1920. Um, the third one is called The Gollum, How He Came Into the World. It's the final film of the Dare Gollum trilogy. Um, another big one in the 20s that was big. And then... No, Sparat 2. Yes. No, no, um, that one is also uh, another popular film from the 20s. It was an unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, unauthorized is the key word because we're going to talk about the first like authorized adaptation of it pretty soon. I actually think next. Um, no, not next. My bad. Um, so those are some German films that came out in the early 20s uh, that sort of helped shape the landscape for horror films. Okay. Um, now we're moving into Universal, which is, you know, the studio we've been talking about this whole time. Uh, the Universal classic monster silent era. So you have films like Hunchback of Notre Dame. Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I just, you know, like college football fans, they call it Notre Dame. You yeah, know? but we live in Georgia, and like, we went to UGA, and I guess we can't expect UGAers to call it the right name. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Zing, as a zinger. Okay. Yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> um, and then Phantom of the Opera, a classic. Uh, one called The Cat and the Canary, which uh, became known as like the cornerstone for Universal horror. Like, uh, it was kind of the um the the template you know for for what they like to do um then you have a couple others called the man who laughs in the last performance um all these had a huge impact on like cinema at the time and cinema later um some of these were uh, huge influences for hitchcock who directed some great horror films in the 50s and 60s um the smile for the joker like in the dc comics came from these movies they were iconic um I've been talking a lot. You have anything you'd add? Do you have any questions that I can not answer but try to? Nope. None at all? Uh, no, I mean, I have things that I want to say, like, it's weird because I didn't think The Invisible Man was that spooky, but they're like, this is a spooky movie. I thought it was kind of hilarious. So, a big thing about this is, and from, from what I'm reading, is that like the way we view horror now is like, like you know, spooks and scares and everything. Like spooky, scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it is different than what horror was like then, and ho- I, th- I think horror around this time was more based on like the concept of the trick film. Yeah, and it seems also. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it seems like if you actually saw an Invisible Man in real life, that shit would be spooky. However, I thought it was kind of funny in this movie because the lady kept screaming, she kept going, and you're like. Oh, okay. Well, she needs to calm down a little bit. She's being a little overdramatic here. I mean, it's just an invisible man. So the comedy was intentional. Like, it made it stand out. So. Mm, okay. Um, cool. So that covers pretty much everything in the 20s. Um, now I want to move into the Universal Classic Monsters, like, golden age of horror era. Um, 
And this is when we start to see the films that allowed for a movie like The Invisible Man to be made and kind of paved the way for its success. Okay. Um, so first, in 1931, kick off the whole thing, give Dracula the um, relatively... I, I, I want to suck your blood. Surprisingly good accent again there. Um, wow. Thank you very much. I didn't practice that either. <laughs> um so there were two versions of this movie that came out. There was an English version and a Spanish version. The English one came out in Febu- February, in the second month of the year, 1931. February? Yeah. And the Spanish version came out in April. So both of these movies shot on the same set. Um, this isn't marketing related. This is just fun stuff. But they both shot on the same set. Um, and English shot during the day. The Spanish version shot during the night. And... Uh, the Spanish crew um, would look at the dailies from the English set, set and uh, pretty much see like what they could do better, what they messed up on, like how they could make a better movie, and um, used all that to make a presumably a better movie. And now I really want to watch both of these because like it's probably a better movie. I love that. I do want to see what what it what it is. Yeah, um, that was, that was cool. But and then later in November, I believe November of nineteen thirty one, we get Frankenstein, which is James Whale's first entry into the Universal monster movie uh, universe. Um, was he really a monster, or was he? Well, I think everyone could argue that Frankenstein is the real monster. Yeah, that's you know what, what I'm saying. saying. It's like, is he? Who's really the monster here? <laughs> um, in 1932, James Whale directed The Old Dark House, and then another movie, non-Whale related, uh, The Mummy, came out as well. And that's where we get into our topic movie of this episode, The Invisible Man, 1933. Um, so this movie did really well. I couldn't find specific box office numbers for it, but it did well. It um, it was a hit. People loved it. People were fascinated by the special effects and, and you know, how they made a man invisible. How'd they do it? Um, everything. and CGI. That It was CGI. It wasn't, but all right. Well. Um, the Rotten Tomato score for this movie, and we've talked about this with older movies before, like Citizen Kane on this show. Go listen to our Citizen Kane episode. Um but, like, Rotten Tomatoes obviously wasn't around in 1933. So, like, these scores aren't comparable to, like, a Rotten Tomatoes score for The Invisible Man 2020 or something like that. Um, but it's got a 94 critic, 85 audience. Um, so it's still pretty good. Still pretty good, but we know who's seeing them, so. Yeah, it's people typical. that are typical. Typical what? You want to talk down on his horror fans some more? No, I'm just saying it's typical of a rating to look like this when it's older and Rotten Tomatoes was around during that time. I'm not saying the... I'm, yeah. There are probably a lot of movies that just don't have any Rotten Tomatoes scores at all. Please that don't are, please don't treat me like that ever again. Try, treat you like what? I just remember you were talking I'm down not, on his horror fans when we did our... Um, I'm not talking down anyway. Our Blood Quantum episode. I love horrors. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. I love horror people. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so then after Invisible Man, you get like Bride of Frankenstein, which um, was kind of the first sequel that you see in this era. Um, and then there was a, a kind of a decline in the late 30s. Um, and Universal like, ah, oh, what do you do? What do we do? And then in the 40s, they brought a bunch of sequels for these movies back. You get, like, The Invisible Man Returns. And um, uh, I think you get a... You definitely get more Frankenstein movies. And 
Um, yeah, they start capitalizing on like these movies that they know do well. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like some studios do today? Uh, no. No? Not, not even Universal anymore does this. Oh, wow. I haven't seen uh, Despicable Me 1, 2, and 3 and The Minions also. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, it seems like we just talked about a lot. But one, like we learned a lot. We learned a lot along the way. I'm always learning, buddy. That's that's true. And two... Um, I don't have a brain. I'm actually just a microphone. These films... Okay, I don't... <laughs> these films laid the groundwork for the Invisible Man remake that we just watched. Um, the 2020 movie. And I thought that was kind of a fascinating, fascinating thing to look at. Instead of looking at like marketing for these movies, looking at the situation in which the studio says, yeah, let's make this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, nice little topic, uh, change for us. Switching it up. Switching it up, yeah. Um, zag on them, I like to say. We can't, that's copyrighted. We're gonna get sued for this. Don't, okay, let's keep, (laughs) hurry, before they find it. so now we're talking about the Dark Universe, (laughs) and, um, the Dark Universe was something that Universal announced, uh, nearly ten years ago at this point, and, um, and... It was trying to capitalize on the success, mainly of the MCU. So you see all these movies that Marvel's doing, and you know, there's a big team-up movie, and the Avengers, and then you get all these other movies where, like, you know, there's, the universe is all connected and stuff, and Marvel was a huge success. DC also started trying to do the same thing, and, um, you know, a lot of people criticize DC for, like, rushing into it and not, like, building it up and giving it, like, the time that Marvel gave it mm-hmm. and everything. Um, Mistake. But- Hey guys, in the future, that's gonna be a mistake. <laughs> um, or well, Universal could tell you that as well because they <laughs> they were like, "Hey, let's do the dark universe, baby." And um, so the first movie, uh, Dracula Untold. Do you even remember that movie? Nope. See, I worked at a theater when it came out. I remember asking my boss for a poster, and he was like, "You can only have this poster." If you take the Dracula Untold poster as well. <laughs> so I have a Dracula Untold poster, I think, somewhere in my parents' house. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So uh, this was like the first movie of like the Universal Dark Universe. Like we're going to do all these monster movies again. They're all going to connect. It's going to be so cool. Um, it was made on a budget of $70 million. It made $217 million total, but only $56 million of that was a domestic, um, which is sort of a, it's a disappointment. They were expecting it to make more than that, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 25 critic, 58 audience, A minus cinema score. How? Um, we don't need to talk about it. Yeah, we, we don't. We'll move into the next one, which was <laughs> The Mummy, which is an even more recent movie that I think you remember less than the Dracula one. Uh, I, I mean, I know of The Mummy. I don't know that they made a mummy Tom Cruise. Yeah, this one has Tom Cruise in it. It had Russell Crowe in it. Wait, um, so when did the other Mummies movie come movies They were like out? late 90s, early 2000s. Okay, and then they were like, let's do The Mummy again? Yeah, no, because this is part of the dark universe. Okay, well, okay, that was stupid. Um, so they upped the budget for the mummy. This one's got Tom Cruise. It's got Russell Crowe. Uh, one hundred twenty-five million. Um, total gross was four hundred nine million, so it made more, but it still only made eighty million dollars domestically. Now this had worse critic and audience scores: sixteen critic, thirty-five <laughs> audience, and a B minus cinema score, so a whole grade Blah. letter grade below mm-hmm. Dracula Untold. So, 
around this point, Universal was like, this isn't doing what we want it to do. People aren't connecting with these the way that we want them to connect with it. Um, the Invisible Man movie for 2020 had already been announced, but it was originally announced to have Johnny Depp play the Invisible Man. Ooh. And if you're casting Johnny Depp in this movie, mm-hmm. I don't think that movie is the same movie that we got. I agree. I think it was actually going to be more of a... Faithful is the wrong word because I don't want to uh, talk shit about what this movie did because it, I love how this movie did like adapted it. Um, but it would have been more like true to the 1933 film, more true to the H.G. Wells novel, where it focuses on the Invisible Man just going wild, I guess, because he's invisible. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest Johnny Depp fan anymore, but there are still a lot of people who love Johnny Depp and would have loved... To see him doing something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, Depp was, eventually things changed. Um, they got Lee Winnell to do this movie. We talked about it earlier. He was well known from the Saw franchise. Just made Upgrade, which was like pretty critically acclaimed. And a pretty fun movie. So they gave him a, I say big budget. A $7 million budget to make mm-hmm. this movie. Um, but this movie made... 143 million total, which is less than both of the previous ones. But if you're looking at your return on investment, way better. Yeah. Um, 70 million dollars domestic. So it made 10 times its budget domestic while the other ones made like 25% of its budget or mm-hmm. or about half of its budget, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Invisible Man was a success, and that's even considering the fact that in the middle of its theater run, theaters closed down. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Um this uh, Rotten Tomato score is 92 critic, 88 audience, uh, B plus cinema score. Um, that bothers me a little bit. I don't completely understand it, but I'm, we're not going to dwell on it. Well, hey, guess what? A minus while having a 2558 <laughs> yeah. doesn't make sense either, homeboy, so Look, we just go with I it. I never saw it, but I really want to see it to see like what people got that A minus out of because, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the story of the failure of the Dark Universe. And we went through, uh, we went through the twenties and we went through the thirties to figure out how we got here to this point. <laughs> and I thought it was a fun journey. It was a fun time. Exactly. So now I think we should talk about um, how we'd market either the twenty twenty one or the nineteen thirty three one or a new one, however you do it. So you start. Okay. So what if we? I mean, it's obvious. You make a man invisible. A real man? Point blank. Period. I don't know what else the fuck to say. You make the man invisible. You have him uh, terrorizing people, but like in a fun way, more kind of like what the first one did um, in the 1933 version. Like make it more fun. Like this man's like knocking off your hat. That's funny and also terrifying. But that's an invisible man. They made that for this movie. So you want to make a town like, like, you know. I'm taking it all back. You don't want to terrorize a town? No. It'd actually be really scary, and I don't think we should do that. And what if you can't make him uninvisible again? <laughs> I just <laughs> What don't. if he's just stuck like that? <laughs> what if he, he, can't, he, he can't get the antidote together? He takes the medicine, he can't get the antidote together. I, sh- I take it back. Um, Can I say something? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Please do. So I think um, in the month leading up to the movie, so... I'm going to give a little example of something. Do you remember the pop star interviews with, like, Lonely Island where they, like, throw in fake Jimmy Fallon quotes? Yeah. And they, like, do it at all, every interview. And yeah. then at the end of, like, their 
their press tour for the movie. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, guys, look at what we did. We did this for every interview. Yeah. You didn't even notice it. So I think when you're getting close to releasing this movie, you're like, hey, guys, The Invisible Man was on every late night show episode this entire year. And they're like, where was he at? And you're like, well, he's right here. He's just standing behind the host right here. And he's like, oh, he's right here. He's sitting on the chair right here. It's like, he's everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Listen, that would be good. Just like have something. I don't know how you make the little imprint in the chair. Make the chair to where it looks like someone's sitting in it. Always. No, I, I was thinking you don't coordinate this with the late night shows. You're just like, he was on it. And they're like, no, stop fucking using our name. We didn't do anything with this. You know, like, no, we, he snuck on. He was there. No, they it would be so good if you have it to where like uh it looks like the seats being pressed down like they they form the cushion and it looks like there's pressure on it and like, like someone's sitting the trailer. there yes yeah. and like you're just like wow he really was there i didn't even notice him um so we watched the trailer for the 1933 movie and at the end it has a shot of just the pants skipping down the road and you mentioned that it reminds you of onward mm-hmm. um do you think that onward is like an intentional like product placement for the invisible nope, man not even close you don't think so nope okay moving on um <laughs> uh okay i have another idea this is one of the most real ideas i've ever had on this podcast so i hope you're ready i don't know if i am no it's it's like a seriously real idea that i think i know be... i just don't know if i'm ready for it um so i wrote something on like my personal blog when i was writing stuff for like marketing classes and everything a while ago mm-hmm. about standees and theaters and how like cool some standees are and how the ones that like get people to take pictures with it um are probably the most successful like i don't i don't know where to find the metrics to like attribute a movie's success to like it's standy but um you can think of like the standy for the meg and there's like a big shark head that you can stand inside and take a picture oh i remember the meg yeah i know you do (laughs) um so i'm thinking a standy for the invisible man and maybe you have like a string or like a clear a thin clear like piece of plastic um that has like a fedora like a hat on it Mm mm-hmm and then you also have like a clear kind of uh, shoulder shaped thing that is, you know, where like the shoulders would be under the hat, you know? Mm-hmm. So like to a camera, maybe you can see it a little bit, but it's clear. So it's easy to ignore. And then you can have people come up and take pictures with it and they can rest their arm on. Oh, that'd be cool. On the clear thing. So it looks like they're taking pictures with an invisible man. That would be actually really cool. Yeah. It's like a real standee. Um, that some theater employees somewhere are going to pour their blood, sweat and tears into to build. Honestly, no, listen to me. That sounds like one of the easiest standees. That, if you're just putting this on like fishing wire and hanging it from the ceiling, as long as you have a big enough Look, uh, we could ladder, have done that our, on our own. We could have built it ourselves when we worked at the theater. That's what I'm saying is like other ones, those like box cardboard bullshit. I mean, that literally will take you four hours to put together because it's like A goes into B goes into F goes into J. This, <laughs> you literally, it's hooked up. You just put hook in a little thing. You put it in the ceiling. Big old ladder. You're done. Yeah. Boom, bam, pow. It's amazing. Now, what would be really cool is... Oh, man. I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Okay. So, you you design some registers. Uh, some... some For concessions, you know? Um, that can be remote controlled. Okay. All right? Um, and then you have a little speaker kind of behind the register so somebody comes up and they're ordering from an invisible man and they're like they're like hey i wanted some popcorn and then you're remote controlling the register so you're ringing everything up and everything Mm -hmm. um 
they don't you can't pay with cash because you can't, can't change back. So no cash in this one. Invisible but, man men are stupid. Yeah, they can't count. No. Cannot count. Um this man went went uh murderously insane, it says. Mm. Um in the nineteen thirty three one. So like that's yeah, he's not gonna count some change. Yeah, he forgot how to count. Um, but you know, you're taking their order and everything, and then you get a little speaker, and you're like, "Hey, Timothy," um, and that's you know, that's the floor staff that's working back there with you, and mm-hmm. you're like, "Hey, give me some popcorn, and give me uh, this box of candy for this person," and they give it, they give it to the person, and yeah, they just have their order taken by an invisible man. Good, decent idea. Oh, okay, well, it's not as good. The standy one's a real good idea. Universal. Well, now I'm thinking about the faucet in the sandy one. All the ceilings nope. are going to be different sizes. No, no. You don't hang it from the ceiling. You The sandy has like a cardboard. It's like a flat card sandy where it's just flat. Except you get a little thing coming up over, up, over the top that you can hang something from. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I don't know about all that. Do you have any other ideas for the, for these flicks? Well, now it's pissed me off that you're going to really still make these uh, floor staff employees build the standy. I mean, damn, it's still hard. <laughs> um, the flat cards are the easiest one. So if it's just a slightly modified, modified flat card, mm, that's what they're called. They're called flat cards, right? I don't name them, sir. Well, they're not. You don't name them. I don't name them. They have a name. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I don't know. I wish we would, like, it's kind of cool what the, um, the Invisible Man looks like in the 1933 one where he's wrapped in bandages and he has, like, those goggles and, like, the hat and, I mean, just, like, normal clothes. But I think that's really cool. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you see that every once in a while, but, like, if people started, like, that became popular and people started dressing like that for Halloween, like, I want that. People do, though. I feel like not a lot. No, because there was a movie that came out, um, I believe, in the late 2000s, maybe the early teens, um, called uh, The Extraordinary... No, The Unbelievable League of... The Something League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And it was, like, a bunch of, like, like monsters together. And, like, The Invisible Man was, like, one of the people in this, like, league. And... I'm pretty sure. You know, and now I'm thinking about. It, I'm also thinking he might. He might have been in Hotel Transylvania. I do think he was. Um. Oh, it's just called the League of Extraordinary. I thought late 2000s. This was a 2003 film. Yeah, yeah but I've never seen it. So. See, do you, uh, we're looking at the poster right now. Do you see the Invisible Man right here? Yeah, it's just a hat. It is just a hat. Um. um yeah. I, I just really like that costume idea. I think it's really cool. I think, I mean, obviously there's no way you could actually use that costume and go out and be like, look, I'm invisible, and you, like, start taking it off. But, like, something like that. I don't know. I think I think that character is really cool in the costume design for it, and I wish uh, in this day and age we could do something more with it. But, obviously, the movie's in 33, and Hitler was around, and so that's what you can do when Hitler's there. What? Okay. I don't know what you're talking. Okay, you become, is that is that when you know you get me? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's when he became chancellor. Around, I think it was 1933. Uh huh. Yeah, I know. I I know. That's what I'm saying. Hitler came, and then you just forget. Okay. Um. <laughs> wow. Uh, I just want to say one more thing. Maybe we can wrap it up. Uh, I think it'd be cool if you maybe had like um, like let's just say a a bathroom stall. You know. Okay. 
in the theater, you know, your opening night, Invisible Man. You're really into like this movie theater marketing. Yeah, no, I think there's some really cool in theater marketing ideas for this one. Okay. Um, you have some guy walk into the lobby. You know, sometimes you go to a Marvel movie and you see like somebody dressed up in like an Iron Man costume. You go to a Star Wars movie, you see someone dressed up as like a stormtrooper out mm-hmm. in the lobby. You have someone dressed up as your normal old, old normal, normal old Invisible Man. You know, bandages, bandages goggles, everything. And people are fascinated, all right? And then, you know, invisible people got to pee or poop, too. Okay. <laughs> um, so he walks into the bathroom, all right? And he shuts the stall door. Somebody's following him because, again, they're fascinated with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take all the bandages off, all right? And you throw them on the ground. Boom, there's a trap door in the bathroom. So this person uh, unhinges the stall door. Um, and then slides down the trap door and as he's sliding down, he like pushes the stall door open. So it opens up and it's people think like the invisible man's walking out of there and he left his bandages in there because like he just got tired of wearing them. That's a bad idea. What? All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you, uh, to, uh, Jesus. There's a puppy in our room, <laughs> our room now and breathing very heavily. Um, I think she's good though. Uh, did you say thank you to Jesus? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so this has been an episode of the Marketers Cut. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Marketers Cut. Find the podcast anywhere you can find podcasts or on YouTube. Learn more at marketerscut.com. Um, I want to thank Jacob Wall for his art. Find more of his stuff on Instagram at Jacob Art Wall. He's done some really cool stuff recently that I've seen on there. I've been getting on Instagram a bit more recently and like he's always knocking it out the park. Um, I just want to point out that the theme song is made by me. If you want some podcast theme song songs, hit me up. Or music for anything. He does films now. I can rap. I can sing. I can play Please guitar. Don't I can play pay bass. him to rap. It's you're not gonna get anything. It's not worth free. Don't do it. Um. Okay. We do not know what we're doing next week yet. We're looking at Euroig and the Witch, which is a new Studio Ghibli film. But that will require us to probably watch two movies this week. So we might save that for another week. Um, we'll do something cool, though. We promise you guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Alyssa, do you want to um, do you want to do a non-podcast-related sound with your new microphone? Um, just um, to get, get your money's worth out of your new mic to lead us out? Yeah, now see, this one's not going to seem normal because I've never seen any other dog do this before, but I'm going to make the same noises that this puppy in our room is making right now. He's going, she's going. <laughs> she's not like sniffing. It's like, she's like breathing really fast. Yeah. And so like, if you ever are like, hmm, you know what would make it seem like a puppy's here? See, she's, she's being so loud. It's like. <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap it up <laughs> now. Um. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Peace.